The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness Oh. Uh-huh. 
Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. When we come into the worship space, during Easter, but also during the rest of the year, we are surrounding ourselves with God's story. It's not just because we like pretty things around us that we are surrounded with images. The images are there to remind us about who we are, to remind us about who God is, and to remind us about what God is calling us to become. So during Easter, when we come in, the first thing that we see are the two icons that I mentioned last week in our sermon. We, we walk between the seraphim. We walk into God's sanctuary to be present with God as we sit together around his table. But the first image that we see as we walk in is a picture of Jesus sitting on the throne. Because the first thing that we should remember every time we come to church together is that this is God's kingdom. When we are here together, Jesus is our king. Our only king. This place is his kingdom. This is the place where he gathers his people around his table. This place is Jesus' kingdom. And so as we come into the center of the room, that space that we usually call the nave, we look at the walls and we see the story of King Jesus. It begins with his annunciation and his birth, and it continues through his life, and then it continues into Holy Week, the story of his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and the promise of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit to his church. The stories that are surrounding us on the wall are there so that every time our eyes fall on them, we can pause for just a moment and think about who we are and where we are and what kind of story God is telling us about himself. <coughs> I was doing some research this week about the history of images inside a church. The reason that we put these images up in here is because in the early Celtic churches in, in England and in Ireland, most of those churches don't exist anymore because they were made out of wattle and daub, which means that they uh, were, were bound up with reeds and then the reeds were filled with packed clay and then they put plaster up over the inside of that, which of course does not last for 
for you know 1400 years especially in the kind of weather that they have in England and in Ireland and in Scotland so these don't exist anymore but the stories that are written down about them is that when you came in the walls would be covered with images of Christ's life and of the life of the saints and I started to think to myself I wonder if that's the way that other churches looked too and so I started looking at the history of Christians using art in the middle of their worship now the earliest examples of Christian art in places of worship are from around the middle of the third century. All right, so this is somewhere between 230 and 250 is when these churches were built. And these are the oldest examples of Christian art that we have. But what's fascinating about them is that when you go into those places of worship, they do exactly the same thing. The walls are covered in Art. Sometimes they're mosaics and sometimes they're just paintings, but the walls are covered in artwork. And we have examples of it from two completely opposite ends of the Christian world at that time. One example comes from Rome, and it's in the catacombs, because during that part of, of the, the era of the Roman Empire, Christians were undergoing a severe persecution. And so their worship had to be secret, and they worshiped in the catacombs. But the worship spaces in those catacombs are covered with images of the lives of the saints. The other example comes from the other end of the Christian world, from a church in Syria that was not discovered until very recently. And this, the, the artwork that is in that church is fantastic. But here is what is amazing. In both of those churches, we have the oldest examples of Christian images of Jesus. The church in Rome has an image of Jesus standing in a meadow with a sheep on his shoulders. And the image from the church in Syria is Jesus reaching out to place his hand on the head of a paralytic man who has been brought to him. The earliest images that we have of Jesus in the worship of the church are Jesus our healer and Jesus our shepherd. From the very beginning, that is the way that God's people have represented Jesus. So that when they come into his kingdom, when they come into his throne room, when they gather together to worship, the story that Christians tell about their Savior is that this Savior has come to us to heal us and to guide us into a new kind of life. Those are the stories that we tell. And the Gospels themselves are also stories that God's people tell about Jesus. They tell about the interactions that they had with him during his life. They give us an account of the resurrection and the miraculous events that they witnessed in his life and after his ascension and his resurrection and ascension. And it should always be remembered that even though sometimes it's confusing, John is a masterful storyteller. And I say that because sometimes we need to, as we're, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes as we're reading John, we need to ignore the edits that were made later on by adding verses and chapter markings. And we just need to let John tell his story. Because if we just listen to our gospel lesson this morning, it's Jesus talking to some people about how he is a shepherd and a gate. And those are, you know, nice words and all. You know, we, we like this idea of, of Jesus coming to give us abundant life, but they just sort of sound like words. But if we 
look back just a little bit. If instead of starting the story in, in, at the beginning of chapter 10, we say, well, what was going on in chapters 8 and 9? The story is much, much larger and tells us something even more incredible about who Jesus is than what we heard the first time through. Because today's lesson is part of a much larger story. And in fact, it's a story that we began together all the way back during Lent. Jesus arrives in Jerusalem to celebrate a festival. And when he goes into the temple, he is confronted by some of the the priests and the Pharisees and the scribes who are there. And he he tells them that, that he has authority because he is God's son. And of course, they are horrified by this. And they start coming after him with rocks. And so he walks out of the temple. And as he walks out of the temple... He sees a blind man sitting on the side of the road. And what does he do? He spits in the mud and he places it on his eyes. And he sends him to a pool, the pool of sending, to wash it off. And when he washes that mud away, his sight is restored. Now all of this is happening at the temple. And when somebody has, uh, has, has a, a kind of injury that maims them, they are restricted from the kinds of places in the temple where they're allowed to be. And so he goes, like he's supposed to, to the priests to show that his eyesight has been restored. And do they receive him with joy and gladness? No. No, they do not. No, they put him on trial. And they drag in a bunch of other people. They drag in his friends and his neighbors. They drag in his parents to try to disprove that this person has been healed because they don't want to believe that the person that just told them that he has authority to heal has the authority to heal. And so what do they do? They throw him out. They throw him out of the congregation. They throw him out of the temple. And as he's being thrown out of the temple, Jesus finds him. And Jesus looks at him and says, do you believe? And John says this for the first time in the whole gospel, that this man said, Lord, I believe, and then fell down and worshipped Jesus. Right there in front of the temple, just outside of the temple, with all of these Pharisees and scribes and priests who have just thrown him out of the sanctuary, he falls down and worships at Jesus' feet. And then Jesus turns and looks at the Pharisees and says to them, I am the good shepherd. Now when he says to them, I am the good shepherd, John wants us to hear something that Oftentimes, because we don't read the Bible all the way through, we miss out on. Because when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, Jesus is saying this to the scribes and the Pharisees. He's saying this to the biblical scholars and the priests in his world. And they knew exactly what he meant when he said, I am the good shepherd. And we heard exactly what he meant when we read this morning from the prophet Ezekiel. Because the prophet Ezekiel saw what was happening in the world around him and God gave him a commandment to denounce the priests and the scribes and the rulers of Israel as false shepherds. 
He says to them, when the sheep are lost, you ignore them. When the sheep wander away, you let them wander away. When the sheep are sick, you don't do anything to help them, but instead you only take care of the ones that that are strong and are fat, and then you devour them for yourselves. He says, those are the kind of shepherds that you are. And so God says to his people, to those leaders, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep from their hands. God says to those priests, I am taking your flock away from you. I am going to, this is what he says, rescue my sheep from your mouths. That word he uses here is the exact same word that Moses speaks when he says, let my people go. That God has come to deliver his people. He says, I am going to save them from the mouths of these priests and theologians. These scholars and lawyers. And then he says, behold, I myself am going out to search for them. I am going to seek them out as a shepherd who seeks out his flock. When he's among sheep that have been scattered. I am going to seek out my sheep. God says I am coming to be the shepherd. Who will seek out the sheep that have been lost. I am coming to be the shepherd. Who will bring back the sheep that are straying away. I am going to be the shepherd. Who binds up my sheep who are injured. I am going to be the shepherd. Who strengthens the sheep that have grown weak. God says I am the good shepherd. And Jesus with this man at his feet. Raises him up. And stares back over him at these people. Who imagine that they have the authority to say. Who belongs to God and who doesn't. Jesus says to them. I am the good shepherd. And I have come to deliver my sheep from your mouths. Now John doesn't say that. But he also says that. John assumes that we have read that passage. And that we know exactly what it is that Jesus is saying. So now when you hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. You can remember that in Ezekiel, God has said, has promised from the very beginning. That he is coming to be a new kind of shepherd. A shepherd who seeks the lost and who brings back the strays and who binds up the hurting and who strengthens the weak. And he says that to the people that are standing there at the, at, at the, the stairs of the temple. And he says that again to us here this morning. Because some of us here this morning know what it's like to be lost sheep. Some of us here this morning know what it's like to feel like we have been forgotten. Like we've been forgotten by our neighbors, like we've been forgotten by our family, like we've been forgotten by our loved ones, like we've been forgotten by our shepherd. And some of us here today have strayed away. Some of us feel like sheep that were on the right path, but somewhere we lost sight of where we were supposed to be going and we've wandered away from the flock. We can kind of still see the flock off in the distance, but... We don't know how to get back to them. We don't know how we've gotten ourselves into the mess that we're in right now. And we don't know how to get back to where we belong. 
And some of us here today are sheep that have been wounded. Sheep that have been injured. Sheep that have experienced trauma. We carry our wounds and our scars in ourselves and we can't keep up with the flock anymore. And some of us are sheep that have been weakened. We don't have it in our hearts to follow anymore because we've seen what the road looks like ahead and we don't think that we can bear it. Because we have fear and anxiety in our hearts and we don't feel like we belong to the flock and we don't feel like we belong on this path. Every single one of us knows what those things are like. And here's the truth. I don't think that there are some of us here who are lost and there are some other ones who are strayed and there are some other ones who are wounded and there are some other ones who are weak. I think that all of us know what all of those things feel like. That when Jesus says to you today, I am the good shepherd, he means that he is coming to bring you back to the flock. He means that he knows your name and is calling out to you. He means that he knows that you are wounded and is ready to bind up the broken places in your minds and in your hearts and in your bodies. And he says that he knows that you are weak. And that he is ready to put you on his shoulders and go back to the flock. When Jesus says to the blind man at the steps of the temple, he says to every single one of us, I am the good shepherd. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will heal the wounded. I will strengthen the weak. And here's what I think. I think that's why you are here today. It may be that somebody brought you here today. Mostly the kids. <laughs> but you are here today so that you can hear Jesus say to you, I am the good shepherd. And maybe you're here today because you feel like you have to. Maybe because it's, you know, your job. Or maybe it's because uh, this is just what we do on Sundays. And yet Jesus is saying to you this morning, I am the good shepherd. And maybe you're here today because you've heard the Holy Spirit pulling at your heart. You've heard the voice of the shepherd and you just want to be nearer to him. That's why every single one of us is here in this place today. Because the Holy Spirit has called you to this place so that you can hear Jesus' words spoken to you. That he is the good shepherd who seeks the lost, who brings back the strayed, who heals the broken, who strengthens the weak. As I was reading this week, I came across this fantastic uh, prayer that was written by Gregory of Nyssa. Kids, if you've got one of the coloring pages, you can look at the front of the coloring page, and part of this prayer is on that, uh, on, on that coloring page. For the adults, I will send this out to you guys later, because you're going to enjoy it. It's actually from a commentary that he wrote on the Song of Songs. But in the midst of this commentary, Gregory, because he is a deeply, deeply poetic soul, he just uh, he gets caught up. And he starts praying in the midst of this commentary. And this is what he says. 
Where are you pasturing your flock, O good shepherd? Where are you pasturing your flock, O good shepherd? He says you're the good shepherd that picks up your sheep. And your sheep isn't just one sheep, it's all of your sheep in that one sheep. And you carry us. Carry me to your pasture, good shepherd. He says, call me. Let me hear your voice, O good shepherd. Let me find you in that good pasture. That pasture where I find peace. That pasture where I find healing. Where are you pasturing, O good shepherd? The answer is here. This is the pasture of the good shepherd. This is the place where the lost are found. This is the place where the strayed are brought back. This is the place where our wounds are bound up. This is the place where we are made strong again. This is the place where there is peace and there is security. This is the place where cool waters flow beside streams. This is the place that the pasture of the Lord is. And the Lord is calling to his sheep. Every single one of us, he is calling to us to come to the shepherd. Maybe you need to come to the shepherd for the first time. Maybe you need to come back to the shepherd because it's been a long time. Maybe you need to come back to the shepherd because it's been a long morning. But the shepherd is here. His good pasture is here. And he is calling you. Calling his sheep to himself. You know his voice. You know the sound of the shepherd calling. And the invitation to us this morning is to say, yes, Lord. Nothing big, nothing fancy. To simply hear the Lord's voice and say, yes, Lord. And to pray with St. Gregory. Where are you pasturing your flock? O good shepherd. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment And join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
restores. Hope with our Father is restored. Hope with our Father is restored.